Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It is that time of the week, and maybe more notably, it's that time of the season where the trade winds are whipping fast and furious in fantasy football. I don't know about you, but it seems like everyone is looking to make moves right now. So let us help you out here on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm still Zach Cohen of the Draft Network, still with Cole Topham of Devil's Digest. We will introduce our special guest in a few moments, but let me just say, I'm so excited. I can't wait. We'll run through our weekly superlatives with him, get his thoughts on 10 highly requested players. Then Cole and I, we're going to talk about running backs, 10 teams, five players, two options. We'll tell you whether to start or sit certain running backs in a committee. Yeah, I hate that word, but we're going to use it. And of course, we'll end with your fan questions. And man, did we get a lot of them. I don't know about you, Cole. Like I said, I feel like trades are coming in from all different angles here what's going on in your leagues are you also being swarmed by trade offers right now yeah i mean it's it's week five we're at that point everyone's you know close to hitting the panic button we discussed that on a, a few episodes earlier but uh so far all the moves have been made in the earlier weeks i, I haven't seen anything come across hmm. um the commissioner in in like my one friend competitive league is uh he just made like three roster moves on the on the waiver wire so more more i'm seeing more action that way um but yeah nothing nothing crazy so far how about you i feel like every day it's either in one of my leagues or like somebody else in another league's like hey i'm trying to do this trade what do you think and don't get me wrong it's always fun to talk about these players but there's always so much context needed maybe we'll add a little bit of that today we're talking about over 50 players today and we had to bring in some help to do it so with we're going to introduce our guest right now you may know him from 444.com i know i certainly do or from ship chasing on youtube someone i've definitely become a big fan of this season please welcome Sam Hoppin. Sam, it is so good to have you on, man. Guys, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, you know, you mentioned the ship chasing. I do the stat chasing for them every week, and it's a, a nice mix up actually getting to talk to people on a podcast instead <laughs> of talk to myself. Yeah, yeah explain the Wisconsin memorabilia, though. Uh, I mean, I went to Wisconsin, so I got to keep all my Wisconsin memorabilia. I see Zach's got a Rogers jersey in the background, which I also love to see a Russell Wilson, a former Wisconsin alum as well. So the the Wisconsin ties are strong here, it seems like. Exactly. Yeah. We should've we should have kept him around for the running back episode. I feel like he would he would have a lot of a lot of good insight on his Wisconsin <laughs> running backs. Oh, yeah. The, the running back factory of college. Well, we'll talk about a few of them. Don't worry. I know I, there's one running back I've been dying to talk about. We're going to get to that with the superlatives right now. And as we do every week with our guests, Cole and I, we got a couple superlatives. Sam, you you answer it um, as honest as you want. Feel free to take as long as you want. I got no plans for the rest of the day, at least until Thursday night football. I'm sure Cole doesn't either. So with that, why don't we get into our first week this superlative? Cole, why don't you kick things off? Yeah, for sure. So Sam, what I got for you is the most impressive 30 bomb of the week. And I think there were seven of them. Um, Tyreek Hill, Debo Samuel, Cordero Patterson, DJ Moore, Mahomes, Darnold, and McLaurin. Which one? 
was the most impressive to you? I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned McLaurin. When you said 30 bomb, I was, I was wondering if you're going to use PPR scoring or not. And I felt like I might be cutting corners a little bit by <laughs> Terry McLaurin because he had 30.3 by, by my measure, but he PPR has had, is, is the staple of this podcast. So you're, you're, uh, you're completely fine there. That's good. I, I love to hear that. Um, but he's had a, a phenomenal season so far. Obviously there has been a little bit of quarterback turnover with Fitzpatrick going down, but he has shown to be truly quarterback proof, which again, in my opinion, is one of the best compliments that you can give to a receiver, sort of like DeAndre Hopkins back in the day when the quarterbacks were shuffling around in Houston. But McLaurin's run a route on almost every single drop back for Washington this season. He has an elite or near elite mark in every category uh, across the board. So he's been super impressive. And I think shows you that ceiling that he has week in and week out. Yeah. And all, all those stories that you hear about him in the off season, like apparently he and Doug Baldwin got in their bag together in Seattle um, just over the summer and, and just worked on routes. And so I think that's contributed to his success, but Terry's been so much fun to watch the season. I thought Cordero Patterson was, was equally as impressive, just had 35 yards rushing, but eight catches, 156 yards and two touchdowns. And he, he could have had a much bigger day if your league allows return yards, which was like one of my leagues for one year. And then what? Tyreek Hill was just absolutely inevitable that year. So we, we scrapped it, but I mean, do it all roll for Atlanta out of the backfield and out wide. I mean, he, he was also like a formidable ISO matchup, like his one touchdown where it was like him one-on-one -on, -one on the sideline, the left sideline. I mean, I feel like Cordero Patterson is just, been a nice surprise this season and i i think he's here to stay at this point patterson man who would have thought this is i i can't even say so this crazy. is like his rookie season because was has he ever really been fantasy viable i don't know one player one player who might be is fitting for my superlative and i'll let you go first because i certainly have a lot to say about this the best sell high candidate right now in fantasy football. Who's the first player that comes to your minds? So I think, I mean, you just talked about Cordero Patterson. I think there's a lot of people who think the production is not sustainable. He's not even getting, I don't think 40% of snaps, but the guy I'm actually going to go with is Debo Samuel, who has had a, a really good start to the season. He looks like the 49ers wide receiver one, but that has been without George Kittle showing his best um, on the field. It's without Brandon Ayuk, who has been had been in the doghouse for a little bit. So they've also got. I know we're. To, I think we're going to talk about Trey Lance here in a little bit, but he's an X factor that you don't know how he's going to really impact the passing game, at least for the receiver. So if there is a time to sell high on Debo, it's it's certainly this weekend had that long busted coverage touchdown, I believe it was 76 yards and mm -hmm. just waltzed into the end zone. But um, he's had a really good season with, with how much the 49ers want to run the ball as well and how efficient they can be on the ground that it may, it may not last the full season for Debo. So you're not necessarily saying the offense will change. You're saying there's a possibility for it to change and seeing how good Debo's been, the chances that he drops off seem a little more relit and more possible. Right. I mean, Trey Lance's whole 
thing for him is his rushing ability and Kyle Shanahan being able to use that and run some RPOs. It will, I think, inherently drop the pass rate for that offense and for a team that already throws the ball, you know, on the bottom half of the league, as far as percentage, it's just going to make that pie even smaller for Debo Samuel. So I, I just think, I, I don't know if it will change, but that would be my guess as far as mm-hmm. where they go with Trey Lance under center. Yeah, definitely possible. And like you said, we'll get to Trey Lance in a little bit. We're talking about 10 more players next, but I got to talk about this one player real quick because I, I, I think it's the perfect time to sell, to sell Antonio Gibson. He is the best sell high candidate. If you're going to sell any player in fantasy right now, it should be Gibson. Look, he's a top 12 fantasy running back right now. On the surface, he's averaging 13.5 points and even diving into the numbers a little bit more. The last two games, 17.4 points and 15.5 points after two so-so performances to start the season. But let's look even further into those numbers because in each of the last two games, he's scored. That's good. It's not sustainable. But I'm more concerned about his role with J.D. McKissick in the offense, excluding week one when McKissick was nowhere to be found, essentially. McKissick has more than doubled Gibson's targets. Not only that, but McKissick has more touches inside the 10, more targets on third down, and more carries on third down. Even if you look at close games when they play the Giants and the Falcons too, McKissick essentially replaced Gibson down the stretch. And I've been on record to say I think Gibson's a very good running back. Theoretically, he should be the one getting the third down uh, usage, considering he was a wide receiver running back hybrid in college. But with McKissick in this backfield right now, I just can't see him reaching that top 10 status everyone hopes for. You should still start Gibson, still a fine player to have, but I think his value will continue to still be high right now, and it's slowly going to decrease throughout the season, especially after scoring in back-to-back weeks. So if you have Antonio Gibson, now's the time to move off of him. Big, big claps for Zach. Um, I mean, if we chest. want to continue with the rushing ability, I have a, a fantasy bust in terms of running backs, but Sam, you, you got a fantasy bust so far this season headed into week five. I mean, it, I, I thought about choosing Kyle Pitts for this, but I think there are some outs to him having a slow start with being a rookie tight end and having to step into that role. Arthur Smith obviously has not shown what we thought that the, he would, but I've got to go with Robert Woods. I mean, nobody can explain what's going on with him. I mean, obviously Cooper Cups had the big season, but there, there's really no explanation for why Woods has sort of been left by the wayside. He was drafting, he was getting drafted in, I believe, the third round towards the end of the third round. And you expect a lot more consistency and a higher ceiling out of a guy like that. And you're just not getting it. And you, you know, again, people expected with Stafford coming in that he'd be able to boost that offense, uh, the passing offense for that team. And it really only looks like he's boosting Cooper Cup at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and it's not just like Stafford's fault. It's also Sean McVay's fault. I don't know. I was at that game, and the fans around me were just reacting to the decision-making of McVay, um, decisions in the red zone, um, him not challenging a few critical plays. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel like the Rams are just, like, shooting themselves in the foot because they have so much 
talent on this roster. And also what you were saying about Robert Woods, like he had like one catch on, on a crosser in the first quarter and then like wasn't targeted until halfway through the, the second half. So, I mean, it's very, very interesting what's going on there. Um, for me, I've got Josh Jacobs as the bus and he, it, that's a little, it, it's a little harsh because he's been hurt for two of those games. But to me, I, I take an issue in that because the first step to, to fantasy productivity is availability, right? And especially after two years in, in the NFL where, where you're expected to, to rise up in this upper echelon of NFL running backs, and that just hasn't happened. He's, he's touchdown dependent. He had 17 points in week one. Most of that came from uh, two, two, two touchdowns, 10.7 week two in PPR leagues, or sorry, week four in PPR leagues. And then he's seeding carries to Kenyon Drake and Peyton Barber. He had 10 and 13 carries in his, in his, in his two games that he's played the season. The worst part about this is that he's 23 years old. And so he's, he still ideally has like a bunch of time left to figure it out, but I'm not sure if that's going to be on the Raiders or, or if he, he really is going to pan out to be the running back, you know, fantasy, fantasy star that we all want him to be. It's funny you bring up Josh Jacobs. I had a friend, I'm looking at my phone here. I had a friend text me earlier today. He said, Josh Jacobs stinks. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Thanks. <laughs> and I just replied <laughs> to him. I said, you're not wrong. Like he, he does stink. And I think it hasn't helped him. I mean, it's helped the passing offense that the Raiders have been so pass heavy so far this season, which is not, again, one of the bigger surprises so far to start the year. And, and contrary to what I think a lot of people jo- thought John Gruden would be doing with this offense. Yeah, definitely one of the bigger busts so far. But why don't we flip the script a bit? Why don't we turn to my final superlative before we get into our 10 takes? Who's been your fantasy MVP so far? I mean, it it has to be Cooper Cup. I mean, I talked about the season that he's having in, again, in PPR leagues. I think he's the fourth highest scoring player overall. And that, that includes quarterbacks, which is just absurd for a, a wide receiver to be outscoring that many quarterbacks and I mean there's the the narrative that him and Matthew Stafford are eating breakfast every morning so maybe that (laughs) has something to do with it but he he's just been phenomenal his target share is through the roof his area shares through the roof it's just he I mean you get you got him at a value in the fourth round and he'll if he continues like this he'll he'll be a first round pick next year and that's all you can hope for for anyone after after the third round, really. I think we all kind of realized that the Rams offense was going to be boosted by Stafford. I mean, how could they not? But kind of touching on what you said with Woods, too, I don't really think anyone expected it to be such a big drop-off between Cup being now this new reincarnation of Jerry Rice, it seems, versus Robert Woods kind of reverting back to how he might have played at high school. So, again, it's fascinating stuff to see. I don't know if Cup can keep it up, but... With, with my fantasy MVP, I think Jalen Hurts has to be the answer because I think he can keep it up. And I know Mahomes and Kyler are the two highest scoring players in fantasy in all formats overall. Then Henry and PPR's third, Cup's fourth, Hill's fifth. You touched on Cup. Sixth overall is Jalen Hurts. I think that's such a massive value. I had to kind of lean him. I I was going to go with Mike Williams, but he kind of dropped a dud on Monday night. So I went with Hurts because Hurts, he's been balling. He was probably like the 11th or 12th 
quarterback taken in your drafts. And here he is averaging nearly 23, 24 points per game. So to me, if you drafted him, he has not only been the best player on your team, but he's definitely been the most valuable too, because that return on investment has been fantastic. Again, there are some questions about him as a passer and that offense in general has got some question marks, but Hertz, he's producing and he's producing really, really good. So for me right now, he's a fantasy MVP. Yeah, good call. I hadn't I hadn't thought of him, but he's he's certainly producing. I think with all the Deshaun Watson rumors Ooh. in the offseason has has outplayed expectations. There's no better feeling than hitting on like a later round quarterback and not having expended a high draft pick in that situation. Yeah. Well, we can talk about one of them right now because I see who your first player you have up for 10 takes. So we're going to do this like we do it every week. We're just going to rotate five players each. Sam, you give us your thoughts, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever you want to say. You have you have no thoughts on them. Just you can pass. All good. It's never happened before, but hey, it could be a first time for anything. Although I'm pretty sure you got a lot to say about these guys. So Cole, why don't you kick things off as always? Yeah, I mean, we're talking 10 takes, but that's going to be like a top 10 transition on the year from Zach right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sam, okay. give me give me your thoughts on Kyler Murray. Yeah, so I actually considered him making him my my fantasy MVP, and he's the leading favorite, uh, the odds-on betting favorite to win the NFL MVP. He's the quarterback two on the season, currently third in passing yards and fifth in rushing yards among quarterbacks, which is just outstanding. He's got 12 total touchdowns. And I think, I don't think he's a sell high, but I think he's one of those very rare buy high guys where his, there's no reason to think that this is going to slow down for him with the way that offense is clicking with AJ green, looking like he's 25 years old with Rondale Moore uh, starting to break out and DeAndre Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins is not even like their best weapon at this point, uh, at least from a statistical standpoint. And he's still producing with all of that. He still has the rushing floor and is just a, a phenomenal player that I would certainly be trying to, to buy high if I can, maybe try to package some of the sell high guys that we talked about to, to acquire him. How about another I was talking quarter? about this with a friend earlier, but it, it seems like it's, it seems like the first two years of, of the air raid, Cliff didn't really have the right pieces for it. Do you feel like this year, the air raid, like it's more balanced and that's why it's seeing more success? That's a good point. And, and Cliff was sort of the scapegoat for not, yeah. you know, exploiting this offense and what it, it truly could be. I, I don't know if like something just like clicked in his, his head or Kyler is just like doing this all on his own. I mean, he's certainly using Rondale Moore in I think the right way and everyone again questioned AJ Green being brought in and like everyone thought he was dust and now again like I said he looks he looks all he looks competent I think and it, I think it's good that they quote-unquote moved on from Larry Fitzgerald as much of a legend he is and didn't feel the need to force feed the ball I mean Christian Kirk is looking really good too so like they have four legitimate really good receiving threats, Chase Edmonds out of the backfield, who I haven't even mentioned yet. And that just opens up the offense so much more too. 
friends and followers of mine know I'm a huge Chase Edmonds fan. Uh, even last year with Kyler Murray too, like his ADP has skyrocketed toward, toward closer to drafts, almost made him like you're drafting him at his value. And I really don't want to compare Trey Lance to Kyler Murray, but I can see like that similar upside, you know, kind of being slotted into a great situation with good weapons around him. Your thoughts on Lance. I know he's not, he's not even close to being where Kyler Murray is now, maybe down the line. I don't know. Could happen. But what do you think about Lance right now in fantasy? Yeah. So he's got some, he's got some good weapons. I don't think his weapons are quite as good as Kyler's are at this Mm -hmm. point. And he, I mean, he did not, look that great as a passer in the game that he came in for this this past weekend Kyle Shanahan said it he said that he was a quarterback too for a reason and he sort of shown it showed it he had a 50 percent completion rate only threw the ball 18 times and again a lot of his stats were boosted by that long touchdown to Debo Samuel that I mentioned but he was able to use his legs to his advantage and I, and I mentioned that at the top of the show he ran the ball seven times for 41 yards, which helped him finish with just over 18, I think 18 or 20 fantasy points on the week. And that was in one half of football, which it is just like absurd. And, and like, obviously I don't think you can extrapolate that to, you know, him scoring 36 points per game because that would just be unreal. But again, you say what you will about his passing abilities, Shanahan scheme is good enough that he's going to get receivers open for Lance to throw to and utilize the space for those receivers to get a lot of yards after catch. And we don't need him to be a perfect passer to have a high ceiling fantasy wise as, as evidenced by this game. So I'm excited for it. I know a lot of uh, people that I talk with are, are excited for it to have a lot of best ball shares and invested in him. So it's, it's exciting. I think, I don't think the, offense as a whole can really be worse than than what Jimmy Garoppolo had been putting up yeah well said my gosh Jimmy G slander coming left and right I hope that's I, I accepted like, on this show I, I feel like some totally. of that is warranted too but um I mean I, I felt like last year th- this player I was really concerned about due to due to Robbie Anderson's emergence in the Carolina Panthers offense um, and especially since he didn't have like a, a touchdown since week 12 of the previous season, we're talking about DJ Moore, who is now the wide receiver four on the season in PPR leagues. Um, Sam, were you concerned at any point for, for more and, and just your, your general takes on, on him this season? I mean, his big thing entering the season, like you pointed out was his lack of touchdown scoring and, sort of was like a, a younger Julio Jones who just like could not find the end zone. He had the receiving production outside of that. And it's almost a uh, Rams light situation that we're seeing with more sort of being catapulted into this primary wide receiver one role and like cup cup is and Robbie Anderson getting sort of shifted down the, the totem pole like Woods is, but it's really great to see his average depth of target settle in right around 10 yards uh, per target right now. It was at 13.1 last year. He's got super strong air yards shares at 38%. He's got a target share of 31%, which is I believe one of like seven or eight receivers with a target share that high. So I'm, I'm certainly not worried. The fact that he was again, able to produce as well as he did with Teddy Bridgewater as his quarterback, I think, 
shows again his his abilities and there was another big concern I think too with Christian McCaffrey coming back and the targets that he would take away because Mike Davis was getting some targets last year but not nearly as many as um as Christian McCaffrey gets so he's I think he's exceeded expectations as well not quite to the to the level that Cooper Cup has but he he's certainly up there right now and I think he's one of my favorite wide receivers to to be watching and um having on my teams right now I was a big DJ Moore fan coming out of college. You know, I, like I work for the draft network. I've loved the NFL draft for a very long time. Um, so seeing more kind of come to where he is today. Awesome. I wouldn't really know how to transition to this next player from that. So I'm just going to say his name, hot waiver wire pickup this week with David Montgomery out for the next four to five weeks, your take on Damian Williams. So he, he has the thigh bruise. It sounds like he's going to be all right, which, which is good. I think, he certainly is a valuable waiver addition. And I think by the time this will be posted, we'll probably pass waiver. So uh, if you didn't get him too little too late, but he's, I don't think he has quite as high of a ceiling as Montgomery did, but he's got a, a pretty high floor because I expect them to treat him like the main guy in this backfield. He had six consecutive touches in the fourth quarter of the game this past week after Montgomery got hurt. It's just the the concern is with the run pass split that the Bears currently have, and the fact that he might not get quite as many targets as some of the other guys. Now, there is some good news that Justin Fields is going to be starting and hopefully making this offense more efficient. Maybe give them some more red zone opportunities, and Williams can can fall into the end zone and played really well in that last season he was with. Kansas city before opting out last year. So I, they played the lines this week. Like I would start them where I have them. Yeah. And t- talking about um, just going back to another rookie receiver, we talked about Jalen hurts earlier in this podcast, but what about his rookie target Devonte Smith? What, what were your thoughts about him? First off coming out of college, I, I got to know, cause I was a super Smitty high on, on Smitty and during that process. And uh, d- you know, do you think he's going to really, you know, come into his own in, in the following weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think he's already sort of coming to his own. He's he's the cream of the crop on that team. He's got a 0.62 whopper, which is weighted opportunity rating. He's leading the team in area yard share at 44% and target share at 22%. So I I am not the biggest like draft prospect guy by any means. And I <laughs> and I know that that's a, a sort of weakness in in my analysis, and I rely on other people to to have those takes and keep me informed. But I think there was some concern, not, not with his profile, but just with the landing spot with Philadelphia. And again, unknowns about how well Hertz would be able to play. You know, they had, they had drafted Jalen Rager the year before. So was he going to be behind him, but he has vaulted into that wide receiver one role. The, the Eagles again, surprisingly are passing it uh, a ton and, that certainly helped his value. I think the production probably hasn't been as high as you would hope to see because he, I think last week he like stepped out of bounds on a touchdown run, which really sucked because I had him in a couple of my DFS lineups <laughs> and could, could have used the extra seven or eight points, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So I think, I, I mean, all good signs pointing towards him and in, in his career right now. 
another receiver that's kind of been underperforming and it pains Cole and I to bring this up is Calvin Ridley. This is a very, very pro Calvin Ridley podcast. You're on the Ridley wide receiver one train. And thus far he has not been living up to that. Your thoughts on him. And this is, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw this on the list before the show and I was like, you share a to have to talk about this again, because it does suck. Like, I was super excited. I thought he showed enough last year in the games that Julio Jones was out to show that like he can be a wide receiver one. And I, th- I still think he can be Arthur Smith. Smith is just adult right now. And it's just like, not like he's not doing what he should be doing and in, in trying to get him open. The air yards are there. He's averaging over 110 air yards per game. He's averaging over 10 and a half targets per game. So the volume is there. It, the production is just not matching it. And I think that's, he's, you know, we, this wasn't a superlative, but he would be one of my top buy low targets. I think there is reason to believe that this does turn around for him, that they are able to figure out, figure it out, stop feeding Cordero Patterson, the freaking ball <laughs> and give it to their actual, actual good players. And there were a couple, a couple of deep shots. I think this past week that him and Matt Ryan usually, connect on and just didn't and there's there is reason for optimism with with Calvin Ridley as opposed to uh some other players that we'll eventually be talking about I mean deep shots from Matt Ryan at least that's encouraging that there there actually are deep shots because that's why Julio wanted to get out of there right he didn't think Matt Ryan had the arm strength so at least you know there is potential for that boom play but right now the Falcons are just making me look like a buffoon for staking all of my my like fantasy um credibility on his on his draft stock this season um but one one player that's actually making me look quite smart is marquise brown and i did a, i did like a film breakdown on him this offseason illustrating why the ravens passing attack was so vanilla and it seems like they turned things around he's they're actually getting him the ball um what have you seen from him and and were you did you think this was the make or break year for brown it certainly was because they they brought in Rashad Bateman, who hasn't yet played, um, and looking forward to to seeing him play and see how that impacts their offense. But I believe I saw a stat. Uh, it was either yesterday or today from Davis Maddock who tweeted it out how Lamar Jackson is just is on pace to just crush his passing attempts career high in a season by like over a hundred attempts with which even with the 17 games is just an outrageous amount. So they're throwing the ball a ton. He's got a lot more passing yards, but with respect to Brown specifically, obviously there was the game in week three that a lot of people were frustrated because he dropped the long touchdowns against the Ravens. And I'll bring up another tweet this from Sigmund Bloom who said that if he had caught one of those touchdowns, that he would be the number six fantasy wide receiver on the year in PPR leagues. And he's currently the the wide receiver 13. And if he, again, if he had scored, he would have at least 19.1 PPR points and a score in every single game. And it's, nobody's going to treat him like a wide receiver one. No, like nobody's going to, from a fantasy perspective, from a real life perspective, Nobody is treating him like that. So I think uh, he's probably one of those guys that you're just holding on to. I don't know if I would really 
uh, buy high, like I said, with Kyler Murray, because who knows, again, how Bateman's going to impact the offense and potentially take targets away. But I'm also not selling high because, again, the, the perception of him is just not as high as it, you would think it would be based on his production. Continuing to do 10 takes with Sam Hoppin. You can find him on Twitter anywhere at Sam. Pretty self-explanatory. Hoppin, H-O-P-P-E-N. Next player. You kind of talked about him earlier. You talked about Robert Woods. And it was funny because to me, you know, the usage is really there. Like he's seeing over 89% of the snaps. And I can tell that thanks to the 4 for 4 football right now. Literally looking at Woods' player profile on there. But the production hasn't really been there. So I guess the kind of taking a different angle from what you talked about earlier is what should fantasy owners do with him? Hope that the production's going to get there, try to sell, wait for him to have a good game, then sell. Like, what should people be doing with Robert Woods? That's a good question. I, I think he's a hold right now. You're holding him. You're not starting him because there's nothing pointing to him having a breakout game anytime soon. I don't think you should sell him if he had, like they play on Thursday night football this week against the Seahawks, which has one of the highest over-unders on the week. So there should be some scoring. Maybe he gets an opportunity, but I'm not going to use that as a sell high opportunity because everyone knows what he's done in the first four weeks. People will just say, you know, he's stunk the rest of the year. Like, why should I trade for him now? (laughs) So if he puts up another dud, I would not fault you for dropping him. I think he could be one of those sort of bait guys on the waiver wire that someone drops potentially another uh, more valuable piece to pick up. But it's it's a hold wait to start him. If he does have a good game, then maybe it instills some confidence for you to start him. But he's no more than a, I don't think, a low-end wide receiver three at this point, just from what we've seen. Hey, maybe that'll make Van Jefferson the Rams second wide receiver to own things you would love to see big Van Jefferson fan. Obviously he's a Gator. I'm a Gator too. Uh, Why don't we round things out? Cole and I got a tight end each. Yeah, I got CJ Uzama for this week coming off a a huge Thursday night football game, five ninety-five, two touchdowns, 26.5 fantasy PPR points. Um, The tight end position is a wasteland like we were discussing earlier with your Kyle Pitts take. Uh, is, is Uzama worth a look at? So I think his usage is a little bit more noisy than it is uh, a signal of what's to come. And he had a breakout game on Thursday Night Football last year with a touchdown and then went on injured reserve for the rest of the year. So that, that kind of sucked. But if you listen to the post game. Uh, one of the reporters asked Burrow about the screen that he threw to Uzama at the end of the game, essentially to, to seal the win. And Burrow responded saying that it's not the usage usual, usual personnel that they have on a play like that. And reading between the lines, he means that usually T Higgins is one of the guys that's in there and out running the routes. And I think he's expected to be back in week five and would be in that set out wide instead of CJ Ozama. So I guess the positive, if you're looking for one, is that he's played on 70% of snaps in every single game. He has 
uh, routes run rate of 76%. And he's the only Bengals tight end to record a target so far this season. But that passing game is so concentrated around Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. They have a combined target share on the season of nearly 80%, which is just absurd. <laughs> and it, it's tough to sell high on these tight ends because, like you said, tight end is such a wasteland and it's usually a onesie position for a lot of leagues. But I mean, you could, if you're desperate, like you could add him and maybe hope that he continues to produce, but I'm not, I'm certainly not banking on it. Well, why don't we then pivot to another tight end who may fit a lot of that criteria, Dalton Schultz, but he has been producing pretty heavily the last couple of weeks. What are your thoughts on him? So he's someone who I actually think can continue to produce. And that's probably with the exception of until Michael Gallup returns. But over the last three weeks, which is what I'm going to, you know, sort of talk about in the context of here because again, that's been all without Gallup. The Cowboys have actually like not been throwing it that much, which is slightly concerning. I think Dak Prescott has past attempt share uh, counts of like 27, 26, and 22 after throwing it 58 times in week one. So it's not very encouraging to see that drop. There's still a very efficient offense and Dak can, can make make moves enough to keep his receivers and Schultz productive. But over the last three weeks, Schultz actually leads the team in weighted targets per outrun, which is uh, targets per outrun, but weights air yards in there as well. He's tied for the team league, uh, excuse me, the team lead in target share over the last three weeks. And he's averaging more expected fantasy points than Amari Cooper and about the same as CD lamb. So like he's getting the usage, he's getting the production. He's obviously a tier ahead of Blake Jarwin at this point. Like that is very, very clear. And I think he's probably the third, maybe fourth option in the passing game, depending on how you rank him and, and the running backs. But he's again, someone that I have a little bit more confidence in having sustained success in that offense. That's actually some really good insight because a week ago, I'm pulling up my notes, uh, I slandered Schultz. And I, oh. I thought I viewed him as the touchdown dependent option, like most tight ends are. Um, I saw the snap counts he and Blake Jarwin were getting, which were pretty much dead even. Schultz was just, you know, making the most out of his opportunities. So, I mean, I don't know. I may have been, you know, brought back to the brought back to the light side on on the Schultz train. And, and if you do, to your point, it's – I'm losing my train of thought here, but it's, it is tough to sell high. If you, if for some reason you have like a George Kittle and you were able to add Dalton Schultz and you can trade away Dalton Schultz, I think he is again, a good sell high candidate. But if you've been streaming tight ends all, all year, he's again, someone I think, and, and every single tight tight end is a touchdown dependent guy outside of like the top three guys. Um, so it's, it's nothing, it's nothing different in the tight end landscape. Cole and I differ in that he just, he'll wait, he'll stream them. I, I like to get mine bright and early. I was the position. A TJ Hawkinson fan this season. 
he's he's a top five tight end so far, but you know, not living up to the lofty expectations I set. Sam, man, this was this was great having you on. I I have this on on Twitter. I have the three lists, and one of them's a beat writers list. One of them's my main like timeline. I don't know why I called him a list. My main timeline. And the other timeline's a fantasy football Twitter timeline, and I'm always seeing you on there. So you've kind of been like your charts and stuff. I'm always looking at. I'm always seeing. So I appreciate all of that, man. We hope you enjoyed uh, the time so far today on the Breakout Football Podcast, man. Yeah, it was great to be on. Thank you guys for having me on. I hope the all the shit posting that I do on Twitter uh, <laughs> is the all the charts and stuff break through that because uh, I do a fair amount of that too, especially on Sunday afternoons. But yeah, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it and hope to chat with you guys soon. Of course, man. Always a seat for you here at Sam Hoppin of 444 Football. Uh, ship Chasing does some work with Established to Run. You can find him on Twitter. Maybe he's got a MySpace we don't know about at Sam Hoppin, S-A-M-H-O-P-P-E-N. Hope you have a good one, Sam. Appreciate your time. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Man, it was great talking to Sam. And he's definitely one of the guys who I'm like always seeing on my feed. And again, I plugged him already at Sam Hoppin. H-O-P-P-E-N. Don't have to spell Sam. I would hope not. But let's that should bring us somehow awkward transition. Here it comes to our next segment. And we're kind of just going to be looking at running back by committees and those suck if this were the part where we had um one of those like video boards or something like we play sound effects i would go the dun 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 because <laughs> we still got to get that video board and amazon it yeah maybe uh we'll get we'll get a nice donation from one of our viewers uh, our listeners i don't know why i said viewers but anyway we got there are five teams right now five teams that have two running backs each seeing between 11 points per game and or 11 touches per game, sorry, and 17 touches per game. So we're going to go through these five teams, talk about those two players that have seen the work, whether you should start or sit them. Won't take too long. Then we'll get into your fan Q&A, but why don't we start with the Buffalo Bills. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary. Moss didn't look like the guy at first, then he looked like the guy, then Singletary looked like the guy. It's a, a lot to sort through there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty divided on this. And I still feel like I like Moss in the long term. Like, I, I, I still feel like Singletary's had his chances. I think he did have the better game um, last week. But I just feel like Zach Moss is, is better in, in the red zone. And that's where this, this Buffalo Bills offense makes its bread and butter, right? And, and given, like, yes, this, this offense is capped overall by Josh Allen's rushing ability and, and, and the fact that they air it out so many times. But also, like, in goal line situations, Allen's a big dude. He's going to take it himself, right? Like, why hand the ball off mm-hmm. and risk that liability when your quarterback can just punch it in? So, I mean, I feel like that's worth noting that just the, the ceiling of this rushing attack is already not that high. But if you're if you're gonna go with one, then I still think Moss is the answer. I think mm-hmm. he's the more physical back. Um, I think Singletary isn't really that much of a better receiver than him, and so that's why I'd bank on him. If you were had you know pick your poison with this backfield, mm-hmm. right? Moss has been the more productive one, but only by four 
points all season, surprisingly, and maybe this might be the biggest shocker of all the data I have here. Singletary is the running back who's being used more, not only on the ground, but in the air too. It's only a slight difference, uh, 56% and 58% respectively in terms of rushing attempts and targets. But then again, you're right. Like for as bet much better as Moss has been, he really one hasn't been that good. And two, Josh Allen's still like the main rushing threat in that offense for as improved as both Moss and maybe Singletary have been. I probably wouldn't start either of them. However, yeah. with the Broncos, which is our next team, you got Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Gordon's been the one producing there, but Javante Williams has been, they, they've been splitting the numbers. Gordon's been more productive, but they've had similar usage in rush attempts. In fact, Gordon's seen just five more. They have seen the same amount of receptions. Gordon's seen just two more targets. I think depending on the week, seeing how much more productive Gordon has been. He's scored nearly uh, 17 more points throughout the season. I would maybe start Gordon, not this week, in my draft network column coming out. So Thursday morning, so it'll be out Thursday morning, which all of you are obviously listening to past then. Uh, <laughs> I explain why you shouldn't start Gordon, but in some weeks I'd consider starting him until Williams outperforms him. Yeah, I mean, it's so tough. I DM'd you this on Monday, Monday morning from 32 beat writers, NFL beat writers, fantastic. Mm. They, you know, collect all of the latest rumblings around the league and can just consolidate it, give credit. Um, definitely one of my best accounts to, to keep up on just the chaos right. that happens week in and week out in the NFL. But right. he says, Spider-Man pointing at each other dot gif, and it's the rushing <laughs> numbers from the Broncos uh, Ravens game this past week. Melvin Gordon, six rush, 39 yards. Javante Williams, six rush, 38 yards. Gordon doing a little bit better, averaging 6.5 yards per carry to Williams is 6.3. But that just shows you like these guys are headlocked in, in, a, in a race for that top spot, or, or maybe not even in a race for the top spot, but just, okay, you get a carry, now you get a carry right? Just like keeping that offensive balance, which is frustrating when a lot of people were psyched about Williams and his ability to overtake Gordon, who hasn't necessarily had the best handle on the starting role his past two seasons in the NFL. So it's just one, another one of those situations where it, it doesn't seem like there's, there's any hope for, for this committee to resolve itself anytime soon the frustration is coming fast and furious with these running back by committees. At least we get a slight break in that with the Cardinals, Chase Edmonds and James Connor. They've had pretty defined roles so far. What are your takeaways from them? Well, we expected that. I think in our first ever episode for the breakout football podcast, I expressed how much, um, how much I, I thought Chase Edmonds was ready for this, this workhorse role. And I think we have seen flashes of that. Um, I think you you mentioned you mentioned that they have really defined roles in this offense, and that was something I said too. Like Connor was going to be employed in short yarded situations. He was going to be more prevalent in the red zone. Chase Edmonds was going to be the better pass catcher, and he was going to receive a lot more of the intermediary work in the backfield. And that expectation has has pretty much been proved so far. Um, Connor was getting more passes out of the backfield versus the Rams. And so that was a little bit surprising to see, but I saw a stat today from one of the, one of the local beat reporters for the Cardinals in the area, because I'm, I'm based out of Arizona state. And so I, a lot of that comes across my timeline. And this was from uh, 
Chirsten Sussel, um, and she says Chase Edmonds is the only um, tw- top 20 back in fantasy that has yet to score a touchdown this season. So that just shows you, you know, like the potential of, of Edmonds if he can break off on a long run, if he happens to get a red zone carry here or there um, in favor of Connors. Mm-hmm. Um or Connor, my bad. Only no S in that. So I think, I think the potential for both backs is, is, uh, is, is definitely worth looking out for, especially since mm-hmm. they seem to get some pretty decent usage every single game. Some, it just, it, it, it determines the opportunity, like the game script. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting because, you know, watching the Rams game, and I know you had a front row seat to that this weekend because you were actually Beautiful. at the game. So uh, far Edmonds, as a spaceship, I swear. Yeah, I can imagine. But either way, Edmonds has been the one taken off in the passing game. He's seen 22 targets to James Conner's three. Edmonds did actually get a goal line carry on Sunday, which is like promising. But then again, Arizona was up at the point. They were, you know... A lot of momentum go down the field. They just didn't have time to make a substitution, probably. But Edmonds has only seen 10 fewer rushing attempts to James Conner's 53. And even then, Edmonds has still been the more productive one. So Conner is probably the least risky secondary running back to start. I still think he has a little bit of risk. But Edmonds, to me, especially in PPR, like he's kind of locked in at this point. At least your flex option, at yeah, least. I think that's a really fair assessment. Mm-hmm. And that kind of brings us to arguably the weirdest running back <laughs> committee of the season. I don't even know where to begin. Like Mike Davis and Cordell Patterson, Cordell Patterson, everyone to pronounce it. it. It is weird. So weird there. Davis is being treated like the main back on the ground. He's just one carry shy of 50 on the season. And even then Davis has only seen three fewer targets than Patterson all season. So the numbers suggest that Davis and Patterson should be putting up similar numbers. If anything, it should be Davis. But what you don't really see is Patterson's production as a wide receiver. Because look at this, ready? Davis is 19 targets for 80 receiving yards. That's great and all. It's actually top six numbers right there. Patterson has 22 targets for 230. (laughs) Just a ballistic missile, I swear to God. He is... It's he's so efficient, but it's so not sustainable because historically speaking, you cannot keep that numbers up. You ju- you just can't. So Davis, he's a boring. What if Patterson is just a historical running back and, <laughs> and just needed the right you know late career uh, team it. change to really unlock that. I cannot believe that we're still talking about Patterson in 2021. I don't. He does I, have like, the longest kick return in football. Yeah, there he is. Now here he is all these years later. And I'm about to say that he probably should be starting in your leagues. It's a little risky. If you got someone who's being used more and is producing even like a bit less, probably start that player. But both of these running backs can be starters. Davis is about as average as it gets. I'd try, I wouldn't try to force them in a lineup, but they're both worthy of a start every single week. My God, that was painful to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the, the biggest thing with Davis, too, is he doesn't really score touchdowns. I mean, he, he scored his first one last week against the Falcons. Or, sorry. Wait, hold on. What are, what are these numbers I'm looking at? What? What are you looking at? I, I, I'm looking at uh, NFL.com stats. Just pulled them up really quick. 
And uh, yeah, these are these are wrong. Well, <laughs> they have him on the on the wrong team. Well, there you go. We just unearthed a hidden gem on the internet. Thank you. All right, NFL. never mind what I was about to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we can move on then because I think it's pretty clear that how weird it is. But at least, like, what you agree they can probably both start for your team, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah most definitely. Perfect. Uh, the Lions. This one was probably the most. What what's the right word? Like diverse? That's not that's not the right word at all. It's just probably the most like for all the running backs, like Davis and Patterson are relatively their usage are a little bit different. Gordon and Williams and Moss and Singletary are nearly a 50-50 split. That's far from the case from Swift and Williams, but Williams still fit the threshold, and so did Swift. They're both seeing between eleven to seventeen touches per game. So I think it's pretty obvious that Swift is nearly a weekly starter every week. But what about Jamal freaking Williams? My goodness. I mean, when you look at the Packers backfield situation, I don't really think we should be surprised by this because, I mean, obviously Aaron Jones was was the back to roster when when those two were in, you know, green and yellow. But Williams was a decent pass catcher. And I mean, I thought when when Aaron Jones was was out, I think it was was he suspended or was he um, what did he have an injury like three I seasons ago? Don't even remember what I had for dinner two nights ago. I cannot <laughs> tell you. <laughs> well, th- I think there was a there was an issue where Jones was suspended for a few games, and Williams was was the number one back in that offense, and he performed admirably. I mean, I don't think Williams is any discount at running back, and so I think just whenever these, whenever one comes off the field, it's just the other slides right into place and is efficient um, in replacement. I think that's just all it is. I think the Lions have two productive running backs, and they both, no one's really like, you know, one-upping each other. It's just, it's just they're, they're solid players. It's funny that you say that because, again, I do think Williams is a solid player, but there seems to be this narrative that Williams is the main pass catching back. And I admittedly was a little shocked to find that is not the case at all. Yeah. First off, Williams has seen one more carry than Swift all season. Again, could be due to garbage time, whatever. But targets, Swift has seen 29. Williams has just seen 14. So it's actually the other way around. And even then some Swift is still the main first and second down back. So that kind of like solidifies him as a player, especially with such a barren position like running back. Hey, he should be in your lineups every week. Williams, that's not really the case. Yeah, I I don't really uh, I don't I don't really see you pulling Swift out of your lineup just because you're you're afraid of Williams, especially with I mean, uh, not to say like the Lions are the runt of the the NFL in, in terms of offensive productivity right now, but it seems like they gotta they gotta really manufacture some touches somehow. And I see the offense still flowing through Swift. Mm-hmm. Again, it's probably more so that you're just not playing Williams at all. Well, with that, how about another awkward transition into our fan Q and A? We got five hot and ready questions. A lot of trades. I kind of wanted to get the specific ones out of the way and finish with my favorite question last. So why don't we start with this question from Steven Bressler three on Instagram. Is it too early to sell high on Alvin Camaro? What? Um, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think so. I don't think there's really a wrong time to, to sell high. If, if you have the right offer, then just go ahead with it. I mean, he's uh, what is he on the season right now? I mean, he's he's running what running back fifteen? 
Yep. I mean, I feel like that's very uncharacteristic of of Kamara, and, and really you should be buying low on him. Yep. Exactly. I was asked the same question about Dalvin Cook, and it kind of to preface this, like what you said. You should really always be scouring the trade market. There's nothing wrong with seeing what you can get for a star player, whether it's Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, or the next two players we're about to talk about. And he kind of is playing at his floor. But I do worry that the Saints offense has evolved to the point where Kamara doesn't need to be the main pass catcher in that offense anymore. Because, And courtesy of Sam Sam's graphic, he actually has on this graphic – all the targets dispersed through the three top target getters on a team, whatever term, I guess, I guess use the term target getter. And the saints have actually the lowest, the saints are not throwing Mm. enough passes to get Kamara involved. And while he leads the team in every category that he should like snaps and touches, uh, Taysom Hill is still there stealing eight red zone attempts to Kamara's 13th. And again, of course, top five in the league yeah like it it was kind of expected it isn't nice for Kamara's value that Tony Jones won't be available for the next three to four weeks uh and again I feel like you can really only go up with here as with any star player so you should definitely see what you can get for Kamara he's not a must trade for he's not a must trade away at this point I do think the chances that he ends the, the season being a top three or four fantasy running back are slim but I still can't fathom a world where Alvin Kamara is not a top 10 top 12 fantasy running back yeah I mean me too I feel feel like he's just like you said playing at his floor you you really expect the Saints to look at those numbers and and really feel like they they gotta foster their offense through him Um, I'm gonna take the next question from from TikTok Quentin Helms who's someone you'd be trying to trade Amari Cooper for and, you know, maybe as you answer this question, I can I can also come up with my answer for this because I'm stuck at the moment. Well, it's the same thing I'd say to everyone who asks me this sort of question. And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know your league. If anything, let's say Amari Cooper is your wide receiver three and you your your RB2 is Zach Moss. Just go upgrade a second running back. Go find a team who's got three good running backs and one good receiver you know you really just got to try to look at your other teams in balance in terms of value for value players have different value across different leagues it sounds kind of obvious maybe it sounds a bit redundant but that's just kind of true if if Amari Cooper is your number one receiver and your second best receiver is Zach Pascal obviously Cooper's value is higher because it'll take more to pry him off of that team right so I don't really know but if I had to, if I had to, maybe look for DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, some running backs to potentially buy low. Maybe you'll want to try to get a package with Chase Edmonds in there. Want to go get a tight end like George Kittle or Mark Andrews. Let's say there's a team uh, with Dawson Knox and Mark Andrews on them. And the guy really likes Dawson Knox. Go get Cooper, go trade Cooper for their wide receiver three and uh, Mark Andrews. Like, why not? It's all about like finding the puzzle pieces. So I know the simple answer is saying those players, but truthfully, I don't know because those players may be more valued in your league. Yeah. It's always and, a and tricky e- question to answer. Even if, even if you're trying to upgrade, right? Because if you have Cooper on your lineup, we, we don't know if he's your wide receiver one wide receiver two if he is your wide receiver one you're trying to upgrade at the position then I think maybe Tyler Lockett might be a good good guy to target because I'm just looking at the numbers here top 
he and Jamar Chase are the only ones with 25 targets and mm. rank. Actually, never mind. DK Metcalf is up there. So Metcalf, Ch- Jamar Chase, and Tyler Lockhart are the only ones with 25 targets and rank top 15 in their position. Cooper is just out of that. He's got 28 targets, but 258 yards and um, three touchdowns. So mm-hmm. if you want a more efficient wide receiver one, then I try and, and get a package with, you know, maybe a lower end running back two and a wide receiver one, um, you know, for, for Cooper and, and just try and swing that way. But yeah, yeah, once again, we don't, we don't really have a, a clear answer for you, but. Well, that's boring. We don't have a clear answer. I'm just kidding. I know I just said that myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just more blunt with it, Zach. Yeah, <laughs> we really don't. Uh, luckily, this question from Instagram from jbax 21 was a little more vague. What to do with DeAndre Hopkins? You got any thoughts? Because I know I could run the table with this one right now. It's pretty. I've been thinking about this one myself. Yeah, I asked Sam if he was, you know, happy and content with the the way the Cardinals are you know, orchestrating their offense at the moment. And what I saw on, on Sunday, because I had prime end zone seats to, Ooh. you know, Hopkins versus Ramsey was Hopkins was doing more. He wasn't running just the same routes from the same end of the formation, because that was a, a real criticism of Cliff Kingsbury um, last season was that he would just run all of his routes on the left side of the field and every single one of them was like either a curl, comeback, in-breaking route, hardly ever sent him deep. And we saw a lot more creativity with that. I mean, I know it's just a small sample size, but against the Rams, it seemed like Hopkins was moving across the formation. He was, you know, more involved. He was, he was forcing defenses to adapt to him. And I think that's opening up other looks for the Cardinals playmakers. I think the Cardinals not relying on Hopkins as much is – it can be seen as a positive um, in, in real life NFL. And, and if you're trying to, if you have other options on the fantasy offense, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about what to do with Hopkins specifically. I think you stand pat with him. I feel like, I feel like Hopkins is, is going to have those, those weeks where it's just not his time to shine. And, and that's going to be the, uh, you know, the bottom line with, with the Cardinals offense and trying to spread the ball around. But I, I think Hopkins is due for a big game. And I think it's it's going to take like the right matchup um, for him to unlock those numbers. The issue with drafting Hopkins and really any receiver that high as of kind of been saying for a long time is you need him to consistently have big games. Like what Hopkins is doing right now is fine. If the rest of your team is picking up that pace somewhere else and Hopkins right. like, look, his targets are down. So He's averaging 6.2 targets a game after averaging 10 last year. But it's like, that's fine, but you need more from where you drafted him. Like if you drafted Hopkins in the fourth or fifth round, you wouldn't be complaining. But if you're complaining about Hopkins right now, it's probably because you overdrafted him in the first place. So Mm -hmm. I'd be a little more eager to sell him actually, mostly due to his name value. I do think a big game is going to come, maybe multiple of them. But right now the offense is so dynamic. There's so many pieces and I just don't think they need to force feed Hopkins anymore. It's like exactly like you said. Again, like he's not a player you have to get rid of, but when you're trying to trade, if you want to upgrade, always shoot for the stars. Always go for the best player you can because at least you set the precedent. 
Um, I cannot remember the specific name of the, it's not a fallacy. It's like a, it's like a data marketing ploy or something. I, I'm my gosh, I wish I remembered or wrote it down pre-show, but I didn't. I'm currently taking a marketing class right now, Zach. So, okay. It's like this, you know, how at movie theaters you go and there's three sizes of popcorn. There's a small, medium and large. Yeah. Right. So the small will be like, what, like five fifty. the medium will be like, 850 and the large will be like 950 say yeah. right the prices are always outrageous that's yep. that's a lie that's fake the large popcorn doesn't exist that's just there to make you buy the medium popcorn like it's just there to make you think that the lower value is actually right a low value when it's not so just a dollar cheaper and i think that's kind of the thing with hopkins right now so if you have like a player like Hopkins or a star player, but you also have another really good player on your team, you can kind of use Hopkins to promote your other player. Like, hey, this is a DeAndre Hopkins right here, but look at Brandon Cooks. That He's not DeAndre Hopkins, but he's doing better. Maybe you'll want Cooks instead. It's kind of along the lines of that. It's just all one big lie based on the value that's presented for you. So if you have Hopkins, yeah, I'd maybe try to sell him. Um, cause he's not getting the job done like you hope for, but again, he's not a bad receiver at all. Now you got me intrigued. So once again, Twitter at ham analysis, that's Zach Cohen, Z A C H Cohen F B. You're going to have to spell shoot, Cohen shoot too, us, unfortunately. Shoot us a message please on what, what this is called, because I feel ashamed as a current, um, you know, marketing minor that I do not know what the specific term for what Zach is talking about. Well, I'm going to look it up right now. Why don't you present the next question from a very okay, this, nice. This is also from TikTok. From TikTok. Father Sam 69. Should nice. I start Kirk or Herbert at quarterback? Um, I feel like I, I expressed a lot of praise for Kirk last week and how he's kind of like the underrated gem of fantasy right now. I mean, Herbert, dude, I haven't even looked at the matchups this week. Who are they playing? Herbert's playing the Browns and Cousins is playing the Lions. Oh, well, I think that kind of answers my question. I feel like I'd go with with Kirk. Um, I mean, Herbert Herbert is like he's a a transcendent quarterback. Obviously, he's he's keeping the pace from from last year, but I think this Browns unit is legit. I think this secondary is, is, is capable of shutting down the league's top quarterbacks. And the way Kirk Cousins is playing, the way he's consistent week in, week out, and he gets one of the poor pass defenses in the league th- this season, I feel like you 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 got to pull the plug on Herbert and, and start Kirk in, in place. Mm-hmm. At first, to me, this was tough. So I asked Father Sam 69, nice, to send that question to me because I wanted to look into it. And look, Cleveland just held Cousins, who was averaging 24 points per game, to 10 points. Now on the yeah. surface, Herbert's a better player. He may be all you need, but he did look human in the first two games with a 13 and a 14-point performance. But the higher upside is Herbert. But the matchup's the selling point, just not for the reason you may think. On the surface, Cousins is getting Detroit. It's a walk in the park. My goodness, start him. Herbert, Cleveland, the Browns, the team that just held Cousins to 10 point. Uh, no thanks. That's not necessarily true. Hmm. I'm not saying the Lions defense is good. I'm saying they may be too bad. It may be the Dalvin Cook show. The Vikings don't need Kirk Cousins to ball out to win. The Chargers need hmm. Herbert to win. So give me Justin Herbert. You got to go with the quarterback that's going to be more involved. Got to go Herbert. Gotcha. So. You, th- you just think the 
um, the Vikings are going to clock out against the Lions. Like they're they're going to get a hurt early. There's got to yeah, be no reason for they for could. I mean, that possibility is more likely than the Chargers doing that against the Browns. So that was kind of my thinking with that. For our final question, before I read one of your reviews, surprise, surprise, we still get some reviews. Uh, this was a good one. I'm rapid fire. I'm not going to even explain my reasoning because there were so many of them from TikTok. BRC two one three sleepers for week five. That's it. That's just the question. So I got a few. I'm going to go first in case you need to add a few, or maybe I stole yours regardless. Hunter Renfro, I like. And again, if you're in uh, doing DFS, player props, betting, anything like that, these are some names to keep in mind. Hunter Renfro, Mike Gesicki, Jacoby Myers, love Jamison Crowder, really likes Kadarius Toney. Samaje Pirine could ball out if Mixon's out. He's day-to-day. Maybe even Chris Evans, who's not only Captain America, but he's the seventh-round pick out of Michigan for the Bengals, who could see passing down work. Kyle Juszczyk, Brandon Bolden. Heck, maybe even Sam Darnold and Dawson Knox, if they're still considered sleepers at this point, which I don't really think they are. So those are some names of, like, if you need a sleeper, some guy to start. Some got a stash, put in your DFS, you're doing a best ball league, anything like that. Keep an eye on those names. Maybe you'll revisit it next week. Yeah, I think one sleeper I have is Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Bills at Chiefs. Chiefs, Marquise Brown, Mike Williams, Devontae Smith, all over 100 yards through the air, um, just over their matchups. And so I think Sanders can have a similar type day if, if it really is his, you know, his calling card against in, or in that matchup and also when i was looking at the stats earlier when we were discussing hopkins on season pbr points sanders is right under him yeah and he has more more receiving yards he has more targets one less catch but those two are seeing similar you know type production except one was drafted way farther down on the draft board than hopkins was and so i i feel like that that's a good that's a good matchup for him and if you throw him in your starting lineup, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I like that. I like Sanders a lot. I'm actually starting him this week. So knock on wood for me. All right. That's, that's the show, but I did promise I'd read a review. So here it is from a Lizzie underscore two one seven, pretty short and sweet to the point. I love the information that you have in this podcast and think you have some great material. Keep up the good work. Love it. Short and sweet. Right to the heart, though. Right to the heart. I yes. feel like that'd be something you could see uh, knitted onto a carpet or rug or something. Yeah, short and sweet, but still ever more memorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, if you wanted to leave a review, you are beloved, loyal listener. We actually hit a record last week for downloads. It surpassed 80. Oh, let's go last week's of like 74 or something. So the podcast is growing. That's awesome. Feel free to not only rate, but leave a review with whatever you want. Just say whatever you want. Maybe, maybe give us a sign off. Maybe you want to give us a take. Maybe you want to just rant and tell how much you hate us. That's fine. That's totally cool. It's a free country. So you can leave us a review wherever you listen, Apple podcasts, Spotify, uh, just, Go right in there, and it'll give you an option to review. I don't really know how to describe it better than that. So feel free to do that, and maybe we'll read yours next week. Who knows? Yeah, fill out those stars. And, Zach, we finally have a, an ending That's from, right. last, from last week. Yes. You, you want to go ahead and say it? Well, I think you should end it, but we won't say it until we end it. So 
As always, we are the Breakout Football Podcast, Zach Cohen of the Draft Network, everywhere on social media, not MySpace, unfortunately, at Zach Cohen FB, Z-A-C-H-C-O-H-E-N-F-B. He's Cool Topham of Devil's Digest and the Great Hair for Men's Club, at Ham Analysis, H-A-M-A-N-A-L-Y-S-I-S. It's the first time I've ever actually spelled out your username, so congrats. Welcome to the club, kid. And that's, that's, that's the show. There it is. That's it. Thanks, everyone. Cole, hit him with it. Yeah, go catch some W's, baby. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.